ladies and gentlemen, Sammy Davis Jr. Who can turn the world on with a smile? Well, we don't have any more time for Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> We've got a tight show today. Oh, yeah. I think it's like 14 guests. We're doing okay. We're doing okay. We're doing all right with time, yeah. right? Yeah, we're doing all right. We're, we're so about proud. three minutes behind. But well, we let's stop up. rambling. Yeah. Gavin McLeod, you know him as Captain Merrill Stubing from The Love Boat, Murray Slaughter from The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Joseph Happy Haynes from McHale's Navy, and you might also know him from the Drew Marshall Show because he has been one of our all-time favorite guests over the last 16 years. Had to have him on the last show. Gavin, how the heck are you? Well, I'm still kicking, thank you. <laughs> 88 is still alive. Still 88, nice. well done. Nice. Well done. All over the world, our, our line has grown so much, Drew, since we first started talking. We, we started with two, two ships. We now have the 18th ship is coming out in December. It's going to be sensational, and they have five more in the next five years. People are taking princess cruises like crazy. Wow. Wow. And I hope someday you and I can do one together. Can you imagine? I mean, what kind of trouble would we get in? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm... I'm a little older, I guess, yeah, than but you, I can, and I, I don't get in any trouble these days. But do they give you a golf cart or something like that to scoot around in and, and run people over and no, stuff? No, I can't. Uh, no, I just do that getting to the planes and getting through the airport. <laughs> I'm, I'm unbelievable. Well, listen, it's I... It's kind of embarrassing, but they get you through security kind of rapidly, you know. Let's talk about someone we just lost recently, Georgia Engel. I mean, she died oh. at the age of 70 just a few months ago, of course, uh, Known for her performances in the Mary Tyler Moore Show and Everyone Loves Raymond, a soft-voiced Georgette Franklin, the sweet, ever-so-innocent girlfriend, and then later the wife of self-important TV anchor Ted Baxter, Ted Knight. Another tough loss for you, Gavin. Oh, boy, both, both those people, are you kidding? Yeah. Wow, Ted was my best friend and my big brother for, for all those years, way before the Mary Tyler Moore Show started. And for us to work together was just a gift from God. And then to have Georgie come in, um, she was so special. And I'm still getting, not getting over her loss because uh, it was a big surprise. Even though the last time we were together, we went up to do a Betty White special for PBS. And she showed up on a cane, and I said, Georgie, what's, what? She's I can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. Hmm. Well, she's a Christian scientist, and she doesn't go to doctors or things like that. But before we went on stage, when they introduced us, she put the cane down. She said, Gavin, let me hold your arm going in so they don't see me on a cane. And then, so we talked, and I said, I'll be, I want to see you in New York. I still have her number. I used to go to her apartment in New York. She had it for about 35 years, never changed. And we were on the computer one day, and it comes over that Georgie now, and she was she had just done this show, uh, Halftime, mm -hmm. and the producer told me that she had stole the show. It was about a, a professional basketball uh, game, and then you had a lot of senior citizens who were entertaining in the Halftime intermission. And Georgia, they were doing some kind of dances, and Georgia stole the show. Anyway, she was buried in Virginia. That's all I know, and uh, I miss her like crazy. She was one of those sweetest. I mentioned her in my book in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, a uh, hats off to her, of course. 
But now we've got to we've got to take two hats off for for someone who's 97 years old and has 1.4 million followers on Instagram. Why the <laughs> heck is Betty White so stinking famous? <laughs> because she's so wonderful. There is no one like Betty. There never has been anyone like Betty, and there probably never will ever be anybody like Betty White. I mean, I was on the road with Barry Manilow's Copacabana, and we were playing St. Louis, and I came home from the theater one night, put on television, and it was black and white, and there was the Betty White show, black and white, that she had done years before television ever moved from New York to California. Yeah. And she was, she was, tell you, so sexy way back then. Easy. And, Easy. Yeah, she really was. And, you know, she she has got the greatest sense of humor than any human, as any human being has ever had. And, and my friends, um, Millicent Martin and Mark, her husband, they see Betty about once a week. And they keep they keep us uh, posted on how she's sure. doing. Well, you know, we've had John Schneider on a few times uh, from Duke, oh, yeah, Dukes of Hazard. He's a pal of yours. He's a pal of Betty White's. Uh, he loves you guys, I tell you. I love John. He's just f- fabulous. Last time I saw him, we were signing, went to New Jersey to do a signing. And, uh, and so people buy your pictures. You know they come from all over the country. And I hadn't seen John for quite a while because his manager managed him when he went into uh, that, that great musical in New York. Uh, oh, gee, it was some years ago. And he played the young German and uh, he was the lead, and John sings up a storm, as you know. And uh, hopefully, it wasn't anyway. Hitler in springtime, was it? <laughs> <laughs> so, listen, I found out something recently, and I just need to know if it's true, because you never know. There's weird stuff written out there. Were you actually relieved when you didn't get the role of Archie Bunker? Oh yes, I wouldn't be happy playing him. <laughs> That would be that, my... that may sound like sour grapes, but it was true. I mean, I had just done a big valley. I was thrown from a horse. I was on a cane, <laughs> and I got a call to go to New York. It was um, what's his name? <laughs> He's the most prolific television writer. I can't think of. who produced it. Norman Lear. Norman Lear. Norman Lear's yeah. assistant. He and Bud York and wanted me to do another series in 1960 when I was doing another show here. It never worked out. No. So anyway, she calls me. I'm on a cane because my whole hip was all battered around and all that from the horse. And so she said, they're doing this show, and they sent me the script. It was called, um, they had done it in England first. It was called Till Death Do Us Part. Right. And then Norman was going to do it here. So she said, I think you'll be perfect for it. He really wants Carol O'Connor, but he says, she says, you've got to be like a likable person's got to play this character for the audience to hook into him. So I said, well, so what do you mean? She says, so I, we want to send you to New York. I said, oh, can I stay a day and see my brother and grandmother and mom? And she said, sure. So they sent me to New York. <laughs> I stayed at, the, at a wonderful hotel. And then I, I walked up. I used to be a cashier at Jim Downey's in New York when I started my career on Ninth Avenue, and uh, I walked up because because the office was there, yeah. and I went into this the the bar where I used to work, and I hadn't been there in some years. I didn't know anybody; they didn't know me. I said, "Boy, things change." Yeah. I finally went up to the office, to Norman's off office, and I had to go to the men's room. So I was there relieving myself. A man comes next to me; he's relieving himself, 
And I looked, we had the same hats on. I said, Norman, is that you? He said, yes. He said, you're here for the reading? I said, yeah. And so I did the reading. I, I, uh, but you were, I, you were relieved. My, my, appro- my approach to life is I love everybody. <laughs> I don't criticize people. I yeah. want the best for everybody. I'm not an Archie Bunker type. No, you're so not. I could play it. But I got a free trip home. So I went to my brother's house after the reading, took the train up and all this. My mother and Harry had a wonderful time. Yeah. I said, well, they're going to call and let me know. I said, Ron, I really don't want to do this. I hope I don't get it. And so the phone rings, and it was one of the assistants, and he said, well, I hope you don't feel bad about this, but we're going to go with Carol. I said, oh, thank God. <laughs> wow, I was so happy. And then I got a free trip home, oh. you know, and I was still on the cane and all that, but it was an interesting experience. Yeah. And then that inc- Carol was incredible. Oh, yeah. You can have a lot of people do it after him, but he created it here, and he really made he, – he was Archie Bunker, let's face it. Oh, he yeah. did it. Yeah. We had done a lot of things together. Carol and I were in a group called – uh, Theater West, and we wrote plays together, did plays together. We did Kelly's Heroes together in Yugoslavia, and uh, and Nancy, his wife. I knew them for years, and we were good friends. We had done plays for uh, what UCLA together, and uh, but anyway, getting back to your answer, I guess I'm rambling. I don't mean to do that, but nobody's ever asked me that for so long. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, uh, one of the truth. It, it's the really truth, and you can ask any of the people involved. Yeah. Oh, I'll ask. I was so relieved. <laughs> I'll t- I'll follow up. I want to know if you're telling the truth. No, oh, it is. No, I know, mm-hmm. and I know it's the truth because you haven't had a drink since 1974. And that's the truth, too. Yeah, yeah. Listen, one of the reasons I had to have you on the last show is because your story and my story have mirrored each other just a little bit in this way. My wife and I were married for 28 years. We separated for a long, long time and just recently renewed our vows. You and your wife, Patty, Mm -hmm. were divorced for three years? Three years, Mm mm-hmm. And remarried. What? Yeah. Unbelievable. So here's something. Back on course, the remarkable story of a divorce that ended in remarriage. A great read. But what was the key? Like, how did what was the light switch? It was all because of Jesus. I knew you were going to say that. It was all because of Jesus. My whole life, I am, I am, I am alive because of Jesus is dying for me. Uh, What happened was in that, uh, that, uh, divorce separation that we had for those three years during that period uh i was the captain of the love boat and i i I had never been the number one guy before and there's such a lot of responsibility having a job like that especially welcoming on our show some of the greatest stars of all time who came in were very very nervous hadn't worked in 25 30 years and so my job was to calm them down and to welcome them on blah blah i was i was in actors heaven i was so thrilled working with people I wanted to be like when I was a little boy. Mm-hmm. And so I put that first. I just put that first and all my time, all my energy, the hours, everything else. And that I selfishly just said, I, I can't be married anymore. And so uh, that's what happened. But in that three-year period, Patty ran into Shirley Boo, Pat Boone's wife. And they talked about a marriage called Born Again Marriages. And they talked to Patty about it and told her certain kind of techniques. Do you want him back? She says, I want him back. I keep, that's what I want. And so 
they taught her t- certain techniques that they felt might help. And one was, whenever she would come into our apartment in Santa Monica overlooking the beach, it was such a neat place, and I wasn't there, she would always say, hi, honey, I'm home. Hi, honey, I'm home. And at that time, I wasn't. They taught her to leave a place, but when she set up a place for dinner, put a place for me there. She was preparing for me to come home. Hmm. She gave her life to Christ. And I'll tell you, Jerry Lewis's first wife, Patty, she brought my Patty to a prayer meeting in Beverly Hills, and there were all women there. And Patty's, my Patty said, I've never seen anything like this before. And they said, would you like prayer for anything? She said, yes, I'd like to have my husband come home. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you can have him come. And they started praying for me. And Drew, this is the truth. That same night, I've researched this, this same night, Bernie and I and his wife went to see a play with Lee, uh, Eli, Eli and Jane Jack, and they were doing a play called Love, yeah, in Santa Monica. After that play, I said, I started to think, it came in my mind, I said, I wonder how Patty is doing. So I drove around the condo we used to, just to look, to see how the lights are on, how she was, and I had never done that in three years. And the next morning, I woke up, I lived in this big house in Beverly Hills, this is all in my book that I have, this is your captain speaking, mm-hmm. in Beverly Hills, and something had happened to my Irish mom, I was taking care of her for years, I was so blessed to be able to do that, they discovered a, a cyst inside her brain the size of a baseball, and they were going to operate, he said, I can't promise, the morning of that operation, I prayed to Jesus because I was raised a Catholic as a young boy. I said, Jesus, if you give my mother more time, I'll turn my life over to you. I don't care if I act anymore. She was only in her late 70s. If you give her more time, I promise you, you have me, I have you for the rest of my young. And right after that, something told me to call Patty I didn't have the number. I called my secretary, Judy. I said, have you got the number? And she said, yeah, what are you going to do, boss? I said, I don't know. I don't know. Something's telling me to call her. So I, I called her. It was like 7.15. Usually I'm at work at 7 o'clock at least. This was 7.15 in the morning. I said, hi, this is Gavin. She says, I was just thinking about you. I said, uh can I see you? I don't even know why I'm even saying this. It's just coming out of me. And she said, well, that's all I've ever wanted. I said, can we be friends? She said, that's all I've ever wanted. Mm. So I said, when can I see you? She said, well, you have to wait because I, I have, I, I, I've started a group called Ladies, L-A-D-I-E-S. I said, does that stand for something? She said, yes. We've all been divorced. It's life after divorce can eventually be sane. And it consisted of all these women who were married to fairly well-known people who started the support group, and they would go from the city to the city. And she was going to go to San Francisco. She said, I can see you next Monday. I said, oh, please, please. I don't know. I became a different person already. I guess when you let the Lord in, 
he, he, he's a wonder-working God. Mm. He, he just he can change you with a snap of a finger. So I was changed. And the, the, you'll love this one line, because I finally went down here on that Monday, and I knocked three times, and the door didn't open. I said, she's standing up. I, standing up, I don't blame her. And then she finally opened the door, and we hugged each other, and she said, Gavin, I'm sorry, your dinner's cold. It's been waiting for three years. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, you know what? It is inspirational. And I have realized this as well, just sharing a bit of our story, my wife and I. Uh, it, it does give a little bit of a glimmer of hope for some. And for you to share yours, you have such a bigger platform, Gavin. Thank you for being so open and vulnerable about your story. I mean, when the captain of the love boat gets divorced and remarried, dude, that writes itself. <laughs> oh, Drew, thank you. Well, God, God's in control, and he's just man- maneuvering. Once you give yourself to him, it's like, kind of like a marionette. He's just moving around, doing what he wants to do with you. You just have to acknowledge him and realize you're never alone anymore. Yeah. My father died when I was a little boy, and I always was searching, searching for him. And one day I heard, I'm the real father. I've been here all this time waiting for you to acknowledge me. I'm going to walk you through life, and that's what it's been ever since. Well, the captain has worked with countless stars like Cary Grant, Steve McQueen, Gregory Peck, Betty Davis, Frank Sinatra, Ethel Merman, Ella Fitzgerald, Ronald Reagan, Milton Berle, Fred Astaire, and Drew Marshall. And oh my goodness, what a pleasure to have (laughs) Gavin McLeod back on the final show. Thank you. It would not be the same without you, Gavin. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll talk to you again, I hope. Yeah, you take care, Gavin. Good luck on the ranch. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.